How about this fucking team right here? Dustin Brown, short-handed for LA. Score! Here is Goligoski. He gets leveled at the blue line by Dowdy. Speed for it, cheer for uh, kind of like it. On the right wing side, here is Defoli. Shoots, he scores! Battling through it, finally. No sense bitching, right? This is for you, Kings fans, wherever you may be. Once again, the Kings at the top of the Pacific Division. Although now technically they're tied because the San Jose Sharks are on a six-game win streak. They have like the exact same record, the same regulation overtime wins number. Whatever. The point is, the Kings still technically at the top of the Pacific Division, so I'm happy. I'm totally fine. I'm totally fl- fine with it being a technicality. <laughs> right, yeah. And, like, as long as, like, our, not the end of the week, but the end of our podcast week, sure, uh, ends with them on top, then I am cool. But the San Jose Sharks have had Martin Jones doing really well. Uh, he was the third star, one of the, one of the stars of the week. I think he's week. the first star. First star, I did not even know. Look, I just saw that he had a star, and I was very happy for him. Uh, happy and, and annoyed. Yeah, that's true. It's like, oh, I'm glad that you're doing well, but, like, could you do a little less well? Thanks. <laughs> yeah, just, just like a step down. Like, we're not a total crash and burn failure, just, you know, a little right, bit worse. I don't, think, like, we're, I don't think we're asking chill, for much. Chill, but slightly. <laughs> the King's actual record is 13-8-0, 26 points on the season so far. They have been pretty, I mean, pretty good. Like, I I still don't have a lot of complaints about the team. All of the things that I would complain about are kind of nitpicky and haven't really mattered overall anyway. Like, um, Kai, who writes for us, pointed out in the article that she posted today that the fourth line, for example, has only scored one goal so far this season. But it hasn't totally mattered because you're still getting scoring from that second line. You're still getting scoring from Andre Kopitar. Marion Gabrick scored a goal today, so it hasn't been too much of a factor. Um, so yeah, it's it's still pretty good to be Kings fan right now. Yeah, I don't have too many complaints either. Um, I mean, it's it's one of those things where we can't win them all. So you win some, you lose some. There hasn't been any glaring uh, errors or you know lack of whatever on the Kings part. So I'm not too I'm not too concerned about any of their losses or anything that they might be lacking. Um, we did get to see a flash of Jordan Wheel. Uh, he played in the game against Carolina in Carolina, and then of course was immediately scratched the very next game. So um, hi Jordan Wheel, bye Jordan Wheel. <laughs> maybe he'll play two consecutive games at some point. Maybe, maybe this season, maybe not. Um, nah, probably, but. I'm glad he got a got a chance. Obviously, he didn't do too much, but he didn't do terribly. So, here's hoping that he'll get his his go again very soon. I like that it like it took that fourth line having an absolutely garbage game to see um, him play, <laughs> but whatever, we'll take it, I guess. Although then you know the Kings still lost, so that was I, I assume part of why he was scratched again. Um, Because Daryl Sutter seems to always make little changes, or almost always so far, make little changes when the Kings lose a game or whatever, which is fine. But it means, of course, it was a high and by and uh, quick, quick drive through for for Jordan Wheel. And I want to see him get a real chance. It sucks, though, because uh, so like you said, the fourth line was garbage. And so Jordan Wheel got his go, but he can't single handedly 
make the fourth line right, better. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, he's good. We're very excited about watching him, watching him play. But he wasn't going to be the cure-all for that line. So the fact that they lost was unfortunate because that means that he, not that it was all his fault, but he didn't do enough to, you know, garner a second mm-hmm. chance. And yet somehow Andy Andrioff has, I, I mean, I'm not going to get into it again. I have problems with Andy Andrioff, but whatever. I was going to mention him. I was going to be like, he can't. Like, Jordan Wheel can't, you know, cancel out Andy Andrioff. He's not that powerful. <laughs> um, and, but then I was like, that's, that's me. Yeah, it, yeah. I just, <sighs> it's just frustrating. And I really want to see him just play in consecutive games and get, like, an actual chance to get comfortable in the lineup. And he just still hasn't gotten it yet. And it's, you know, it's still November. So it's not the end of the season. Obviously, there's still plenty of time. But, I'm like, come on, man. It's been two months. Let me see the dude play. <laughs> uh, but this is kind of standard procedure for anyone that's new on the King. So um, as much as we complain, it's kind of this is the status quo of the new guys getting like getting their chops. They only get like a few games here and there. I think it like it always leaves us wanting. We're always like, ah, oh, we want to see them play. We want to see them play. And we don't, and then we get to see them play more and more, and then we're real amped about it. Yeah, it's like, it's always that sense of delayed gratification. It happened with, like, Alec Martinez, who used to get scratched all the time. It happened very notoriously with Tyler Toffoli, which we can talk about his development a little bit, actually, because the LA Times published a piece a few days ago about the fact that he, I think at the time it was still when he had, like, 10 goals and, like, 16 games or whatever it was now he has 11 goals in 21 games games because he just scored against the Panthers um so anyway he talked a little bit about how he's been playing now how he's basically been paired with Carter for a you know a long time now they're pretty much stable together and his development over the years and he had like a really interesting quote um where he said I think if I were anywhere else I don't think I'd be in this position My first training camp was an eye-opener. Dean, some of the things that they said to me, I really don't want to talk about. I was clearly in terrible shape. I wasn't very well conditioned. If you want to say the commitment wasn't there, I was just getting by on skill and junior. Without those things, I wouldn't be in this position, which is something that he's said before, too. Um, I remember in the season where they re- where they won the cup. I don't exactly remember at what point in the season he was talking about it, but kind of said the same thing. Like he had to really change how he was conditioning and really focus and dedicate himself. And I think that's one of the ways that Jeff Carter has been a good influence on him. And we've seen from, he also, I think at some point to, to fully, if I remember correctly, took like power skating classes and stuff to try to get better. So we've right. seen where like, he the player isn't played very much even though you're like he has all this friggin skill and potential give him a shot and then finally he gets in the lineup and now Toffoli is playing you know consistently um second line minutes and is a really key part of this team winning games um but yeah it's like I do remember complaining and being like play him more (laughs) why does he have like fourth line minutes when he is such a great shooter yeah but obviously you know they know things that we don't um as just spectators and so knew that he needed just like a little bit more improvement I think probably just improved not that it was bad just improved worth work ethic it's kind of like when you're younger and you're real smart like everyone tells you how smart you are and you don't work very hard and then you get to college or something like that and you're like oh I actually have to like do stuff a lot. <laughs> right. um, I feel like that's how it is with like playing in the minor leagues and then coming up to the NHL. It's like you can be amazing 
in the AHL without, not that they're not training, just, you know, with your skill. Like, you're going to do well. The the kind of range of talents is, like, pretty vast there. And once you get to the NHL, you really have to, you know, put your nose to the grindstone and really work hard to their, you know, very particular qualifications and specifications. And so I think maybe Tyler Toffoli didn't like appreciate that very much at the beginning and then kind of was like, oh, I really need to step up my game. I think in their treatment of Tyler Toffoli too, the Kings have made it pretty clear that they want him to be a leader on this team, both on the ice and he seems to be really you know, willing to be a face of the franchise sort of off the ice too, making those community appearances and whatnot. So, I mean, I think they are pretty obviously grooming him to sort of be part of the the next-gen leadership group for this team and this franchise, and he seems to have, like, really risen to the occasion. I don't always agree with the methods. I don't think, and, and maybe not even in Tyler Toffoli's case, because I don't think he really got healthy scratched a bunch for making mistakes or whatever. But like with like Jake Muzzin, you know, Daryl Sutter still gives Jake Muzzin a hard time, (laughs) but he would be like, you know, bench Jake Muzzin because he had a bad game or something. Um, And I don't always agree with that. Jake Muzzin's really good. (laughs) Just let your good players play. (laughs) There are other ways to help them learn. But I think overall, at least in the case of someone like Toffoli, it has worked so far for the most part. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe this is what we have to look forward to with Jordan Wheel. That would be awesome. Yeah, I mean, I would love to see him. I mean, it would be kind of funny if it's like, because he did have that great season in the AHL and he was like an M- playoff MVP and whatnot. So maybe Daryl Sutter is just like, let me break his spirit entirely. <laughs> and then, then he'll get a real shot. Uh, and then have him come up and or stay up and play really well and then earn a roster spot and do awesomely on the team. I would love that, but I'm also like, can we get to the part where he plays games, though? Nah, he's got to earn it. He's got to really earn it, like Daryl Sutter style, where he's just on the doghouse a lot (laughs) and, you know, is a healthy scratch all the time. Gets to experience what's going on, I guess, but not actually playing, which, you know, I guess isn't a terrible thing, but I would love to see him actually play a game. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Uh, anyway, oh, a really cool thing that happened in that Carolina game, which unfortunately the Kings lost, but Dustin Brown scored another goal, which I'm always happy about. Dustin Brown, who continues to lead the team in like shots on goal, and that dude has put it in so much work, and I actually really think that line with him and um, Nick Shore and Trevor Lewis has been really fun in, in terms of generating scoring opportunities, even though they all seem to have the worst luck still. Um, but so it was nice to see Dustin Brown get a penalty shot and score on it in a really cool goal. Yeah, that was, it's one of those things where it's a rare treat. Like I don't enjoy the shootout, but I love the like drama of the penalty shot and um, right. even though I love Noah Hannafin, I'm very glad that he put his glove over that puck and gave <laughs> Dustin Brown a chance to shine. And then Noah Hannafin, in his like very Thanksgiving mood, uh, gave Braden Shen <laughs> an opportunity for a penalty shot, but uh, he didn't make his. So um, Hannafin might want to work on that. He he hooked him, but still, maybe stop giving the other team just like an open 
open shot Virgil. It's just like an unfortunate thing to have happen in consecutive games and in totally different ways. Like he closed his hand over the puck. All right, you try to get away with something. Sometimes that works, but he got caught. And then with the hooking thing, it was like the other defenseman kind of got caught out of position. He had to try to get back and it just ended up, you know, Unfortunately, you get called on it, <laughs> but it was just sort of like, oh, man, really? Back-to-back games, Hannafin? Come on, young guy. Yeah, like, penalty shots are already rare in general, so if you had caused one in two different games just, like, throughout the season, that's already kind of a lot. That's already pretty rare, but then to do it in two consecutive games, like, really just get your, get your, get right. your shit together. He is not the only person who... Uh, in that Carolina game had a blooper reel type of moment. I mean, and his wasn't even like blooper reel bad. It was just like, you got caught making a bad decision, a sneaky decision. However, what ended up being the game winner of that game was Alec Martinez getting, I don't, what happened? He thought he had it, then he fanned on it, and then he accidentally it bumped his skate and the puck went across the line. It was kind of a mess in a very small amount of time. It looked like a, a Jonathan Quick flub, you know, where you think you have it and it just goes right between the legs. But yeah, I think he he tried to just like really hit it and only got just like a piece of the puck. And then, yeah, it was one of those things that just <laughs> yeah. perfectly hit his skate and then right into an open net. And you're just like, oh, God, it's un- unfortunate. It happens. But he redeemed himself tonight. True. And got the game winner versus the Panthers. Consecutive game winners, one for the wrong team, <laughs> one for the right team. Congratulations. Good, good job, Alec Martinez. And he said that in the post-game quotes to John Rosen, where he was like, I'm just glad I put it in the right net. <laughs> Me too, Alec Martinez. Um, it's, it's always funny seeing them be fairly good-natured about it, like, the next day. Because obviously, like, at the time when that happened, he once again did a full Jonathan Quick and just, like, slammed his stick oh, against yeah, he was the... He, oh, he was so pissed. But, um... Always good to see them make fun of it, especially... I think it probably helps that he didn't get the game winner. For sure. For sure. Yeah. So it's like, really fully redeem yourself. You didn't just score a goal. It is the goal that won the game. Nice. Very glad for him. And I mean, it was only, you know, now it's going to be gone from people's memories because it, they luckily it was a back-to-back, so they had an opportunity to try to make up for that game right away. Even though they played well in that game against the Hurricanes, it's just um, they had quick let in a goal that was not very good, um, which I don't know. There was some debate after about that first goal that he let in uh, being deflected off of Tanner Pearson's stick, I think it was, or something. Whatever. It looked like he saw it all the way, and but then he didn't catch it. And then, um, of course, the own goal, and so they lose 4-3. But uh, overall, they didn't play very bad, and then they go and they play pretty well against the Panthers and win the game, so all is right in the world. Yeah, I think it was just hard with the Hurricanes game because they – um, we're down by three so quickly, like within right. five minutes of the second, they were down 3-0. And you're like, well, it's kind of hard, not obviously impossible, just hard to come back from that. But then Dustin Brown got his penalty shot. Uh, Kopitar with an excellent goal. Kopitar again later with a power play goal. I guess he really wanted them to win that game. Right. <laughs> yeah. But it just, yeah, you know, it just wasn't enough. It, it kind of took too long for them to kind of start clicking on all cylinders. And they just lacked that one last goal. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunate. And that's kind of what happened with the Red Wings game, too. It was like, you know, Jeff Carter had scored two goals, and if only he had gotten that hat trick. 
<laughs> maybe things could have been different. But um, yeah, unfortunately it didn't happen. So they lost two in a row. Although impressively, it was the first time they had lost two games in a row since the losing streak that they, the mini losing streak that they had started this season on. So for the most part, like, we've been really lucky to see even when they lose games they'll come right back and win the next one and whatnot um so i'd like for that to continue and then they have one more game on the road and they come back to play the chicago blackhawks so hopefully they beat the tampa bay lightning and then it'll be a winning road trip um we are both terribly sorry about the fact that we chose different games that they would lose yeah. that we predicted last week because those were the two teams that the kings decided to lose to so uh we're just gonna say the kings are gonna win every single game for the rest of the season there you go yeah we unfortunately our record is wrong because we were both like they're just gonna lose one game yes. but really good at predicting the teams that would give them the most weird trouble Good job to us, I guess. Uh, Yeah, so glad that I once again was in a car while the Kings were playing the Hurricanes. uh, Actually, while the Kings were losing to the Hurricanes. So they are now my most hated, like, team. Because, one, I'm, like, driving through traffic and then listening to the Kings lose. So I don't like any of this. (laughs) But I was annoyed with the Red Wings one because I was was so ready. I don't know why. I was just feeling it. I was like, Jeff Carter is going to get this hat trick. It is going to be awesome it was ready for it and then it did not happen and then i felt like i had jinxed it but i'm sure a bunch of other people thought that he was going to get it too for sure no it's definitely that game where you people were just sort of like vibing it and it it did feel like they could probably tie it up um but it unfortunately just didn't come true that way so i don't know i i do always like when they manage to come all the way back and i feel like recently too I mean, they've had some low-scoring games and whatnot, but it hasn't felt impossible. Although now we're creeping up on that winter winter thing, so we'll see how long that lasts. But so far, it feels like they at least have the potential to come back in any of the games where they are um, behind. So I guess, actually, speaking of wintertime, um, this is more of a general NHL thing. Players negotiated to have basically their version of a reading week in the middle of winter. Um, starting next season, not this season, but basically, you know, it was like, well, we're going to have this World Cup of Hockey thing. You still want to do the All-Star game. Uh, players, like top guys are going to be playing a lot. They need a break. And so starting in um, 2017, let's see, I'll just read it for you from the Sportsnet article. It says each team's break will fall between January 1st and February 28th, 2017, according to sources, and the players will be completely off during that period. Should the schedule include a game on the 6th of the day, the team can't practice until 4 p.m. on the 5th. The agreement doesn't affect any other rest periods already built into the schedule. There will still be a four-day all-star break for most of the league, along with a CBA-mandated four days off per month. So a little bit of a reprieve, which mostly made me actually think about the Kings and whether or not that'll help them if they get into another weird winter slump. Uh, Obviously, again, not for this season, but next season, if that'll affect it at all and maybe get them out of that routine a little bit. Yeah, I was looking at those days and I was like, oh, that that sounds like a good time for a break because they will, not to be super pessimistic, but they might be in a horrible losing streak and could use (laughs) like a little a little break (laughs) so yeah it's funny like i was like i don't even care about like all-star stuff but what about the kings being terrible in january (laughs) maybe this will help yeah i 
Uh, I think that's actually kind of, that's kind of cool. Although every time I read some of these like agreements, like the whole, if there's a game on the sixth day, the team can't practice after 4 p.m. on the fifth. It's so, I, I don't know, it's just like so weirdly complicated to me. It seems like a weird elementary school schedule type thing. <laughs> right. Yeah, it just makes me think I'm really glad I don't have to be in those meetings and like pick apart those details because I'm sure they have reasons for it. You know, somebody really, really wanted the 4 p.m. thing to be a hard line or whatever. I'm really glad I'm not the person that has to talk about that. Oh, yeah, because you know <laughs> that that line, it took like three days for them <laughs> right. to like hammer out the exact details of it. <laughs> uh, but I do think in general having that week off is, is really, um, really cool. And um, I'll it'll be cool to see if it changes momentum for any teams. Hopefully for the Kings, it's in a good way. Yeah. But uh, speaking of the All-Star game, we have gotten a f- bit of news as to how what the format's going to be like. Um, oh, yeah. And it sounds like there's going to be some three-on-three, which is awesome. Because if anyone saw that game against the Flyers... Um, with all well, the Kings against the Flyers. That was rad. Three on three makes me feel so great watching it. So great and like manic at the same time. Like a part of me is like, what's happening? Constantly, basically for the entire four or five minutes that it's going on. And then at the same time being like, I love it though. So, Oh yeah. I'm at like uh, a solid, I'm at a amazing. 10 the entire time. <laughs> yeah. Right. Just like either... No, what are you doing? Why is the other team, like, you know, shooting towards Jonathan Quick and then just, like, really amp, like, this is your time, you can do this, when the Kings are about to score. So it is just, like, from zero to ten, constantly, back and forth. Pretty much. It's so much fun. I love it. But it looks like that's what the All-Star game is going to be. I'm really excited to see that, but I am sad to see the player draft go away. I thought, I mean, everybody was, like, super drunk and it was kind of a mess, but I still thought it was generally kind of fun just to see what, which peers the guys are really like, you got to have that guy on your team or whatever. That was always really fun to me, even though it's all a little goofy. So I'm sad to see that. Part oh, I away. loved the draft. I loved everyone being like slightly, slightly drunk. Like that's why I love the Golden Globes. You know, everyone's just like a little drunk right, and a yeah. little strange. Like who knows what might happen. Uh, yeah, but the random things that people say, <laughs> right. their decisions to be like, oh, this is a total homer pick, but because I'm the assistant captain, I'm totally picking, you know, my teammate. Um, and that was always fun. Something, you know, you, you saw the personalities of the NHL players because we were talking about this before the Kings really had any behind the scenes, like with black and white, when they had all the stuff with the um, stadium series, all that 24-7 behind the scenes stuff. Sometimes it's hard to kind of get to know any of the players outside of them just playing hockey. Like, with other teams, they have their behind-the-scenes, but the Kings didn't, so you could only really gather so much about, you know, these players' personalities, as compared to other sports, who I feel like do a lot more kind of media stuff like that. And uh, that was always kind of a fun part, especially since a bunch of these players have played together with, what, with trades, or just, like, growing up together, or, you know back in the NHL, whatever, or, like, if they live in the same city, you know, in the off-season, and seeing that kind of, like, banter and, like, seeing them as humans, I always really enjoyed that portion. Yeah, me too. I think it's interesting because sometimes there'll be that little bit of debate among hockey fandom at large where it's, like, 
you know, just focus on the game kind of stuff and all of this other fluffy stuff about their lives and their personalities is whatever. But I really find it, you know, interesting and fascinating. So I like when we get those glimpses into those, you know, them just sort of letting loose a little bit and not being totally worried about perception and whatnot. Uh, so yeah, I'll miss the the player draft. And um, I like all the interviews and stuff they do before. Because like you said, like we, with a team like the Kings, for example, like I remember when Jonathan Quick went and they did like a little, basically like they followed him around during that. Even just seeing that kind of stuff was really cool to see what guys mention and what they say and um, about each other. It's it's nice to get people out of the usual environment. Um, so there will be some kind of Friday night event. It won't be a player draft, but they're, I don't think they've announced it yet or what, what exactly that will be, but hopefully it's something that is, um, just as fun and uh, kind of silly, too. I don't know. I, I like that. I understand them wanting to change the format of the actual game to try to make it more engaging because on TV it was kind of whatever. But um, for me, I also don't I want to make sure while they're making the game itself more interesting, they don't take away from the other silly parts of it that people like. Yeah. So I'm hoping that at least the, you know, un unnamed uh, or an unannounced portion on Friday night is still at least entertaining and gives us a bit of insight like yeah however they end up doing it i i want it to be fun i like a little fun in the middle of the season Mm -hmm. so sue me (laughs) yeah me too um and i'm curious to see how they put together those teams now so instead of again since they're not picking what they're doing is putting together all-star teams from the atlantic and metropolitan divisions and then the central and pacific divisions the east and western conference champions will be facing off against each other after all those teams play and um there's also some some prize incentives particularly a one million dollar cash prize which you know is divided up among the players so that's it'll be 11 players on the winning team it'll break down to a little over ninety thousand dollars a piece almost ninety one thousand um which is not bad maybe that'll help people take it a little more seriously get a nice little bonus i mean I would be pretty stoked and work pretty hard for $90,000, but I'm not a millionaire. Yeah, I was going to say, compared to, like, someone with a creed, like, for Drew Doughty, who I assume will probably be on, like, an all-star team, I'm going to guess, what Mm -hmm. does that break down to for him in, like, normal salary terms? Like, how long does it take him (laughs) to make (laughs) $90,000? They're like, we'll give you this cash prize. And he's like, whatever. Like, I got to play, like, 15 minutes in a game to get this. I don't really care. (laughs) Yeah, whereas I'm like, oh, my God. I wish somebody would be like, we're going to throw in a cash prize of $90,000. I'd be like, done. I'm there. What do you I'm going to be the hardest (laughs) worker. I'm going to train so hard for a, like, just non- uh, non-season game. Right. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, that's that's just me. We'll see how it affects the players. I think it's cool, though, that they're at, trying to figure out incentives to add. Um, a quick update on injuries for the Kings, because there are a couple players that we have not heard from or about in a while. But today, quick mention, Matt Green, Dwight King, still out. Um, John Rosen tweeted hockey ops told him that Dwight King is still in a walking boot and Matt Green has started skating again but alone at their practice facility so no close returns for either of them but you know they're still alive around it was nice to hear about both of them I am still not entirely sure where um well 
I assume with Green, Jamie McBain will end up coming out of the lineup, but for, uh, or they might keep, they might just continue to scratch like Christian Ehrhoff or whatever. But anyway, I assume Jamie McBain will come out because they still have Forbert up too. And um, for King though, I'm not entirely sure where he goes in this lineup the way it is I now. was going to say that a little bit earlier. Like, we're very excited about Jordan Wheel getting this chance, but I think he's getting more chances, uh, even though there's not too many of them, but more chances than he usually would with, you know, Dwight King out. That's just, like, another place that he can kind of slot in if needed as, like, every as they try to, like, yeah. juggle that the bottom lines. But I would assume that they would just kind of throw him in there on the fourth and then try to scoot him around places to see what works. Yeah, it's sort of an interesting problem now. And really, to me, anyway, only in the last few games because of the way the Nick Shore line with Dustin Brown and Trevor Lewis most of the time has started to gel. Um they're not since they're not scoring goals, that might make it a little easier to break them up. But if they before Dwight can come back also start scoring goals like that's going to be really tough to figure out which line he goes on because you're like well does he go on the fourth line I don't know that seems kind of weird but also where else does he go yeah and Trevor Lewis has been so close to scoring some of these goals so close um and I want him to just continue on his like comfortable little line and and actually scores it was oh gosh I'm gonna forget who wrote it was it Jason Lewis somebody wrote a piece yeah about how he is like has the most individually generated scoring chances on the team. So keep that up. Hopefully. I mean, I don't, poor Trevor Lewis, like his hands are just, (laughs) they might as well be moving trucks. I don't know. (laughs) He, he just does not quite have the finesse that he needs to make this work for him. Um, But hopefully it changes somehow. And he gets at least a few more because if he's clearly getting in the right spaces to generate, good opportunities but they're not going in i want to see them go in for him because he is doing good things he will eventually be rewarded with a goal hopefully (laughs) maybe so excited for it (laughs) it is sort of like hilarious but also makes me a little sad that him and dustin brown are like both shooting constantly and and trying to generate opportunities and neither one of them can score a goal and even nick shore today it seemed like he had a goal but then it was ruled um incidental contact so he didn't get the goal it's rough it's rough for that third line (laughs) it really is but they are trying so hard and that's going to pay off. It has to. I think so. Um, and if, like I said, if they do start scoring goals before Dwight King comes back, that just sort of complicates where he goes in the lineup even more. Uh, but, I mean, I am personally not – I mean, as, as long as the Kings have the money and they, they do this season to move guys around, I don't really care how much money somebody is making in, on a certain line. Um, it, it clearly can't last that way if a guy is making a lot of money. But, and he's like on the bottom six or whatever. So that's why people always bring up like Dustin Brown or whatnot. Fair. Um, But for this season, I don't think it really matters. And so I would, you know, whatever, like bring Dwight King back and put him on the fourth line. That fourth line, like we've talked about, kind of sucks when it comes to production. So, um, and like Jordan Nolan and Andy Andrioff when they're together have the worst possession numbers on the team on a like the best possession team on the in the league <laughs> they have the worst numbers below 50 percent. so i'm like move it around do something there dwight king can start there maybe he'll help solve those problems yeah and it's it's not even like they're huge problems either like we were saying earlier we're being nitpicky about what's wrong with the kings you know quote unquote 
Um, so it, it's not going to be, it's it's not going to be hard. Like if, if they were in some sort of rut right now and then having to, um, have Dwight King in the lineup and trying to find his place, it'd be, it'd be rough. Like if they were already struggling and then having to shuffle lines even more, but they're doing all right. They're doing fine. You know, they're winning a bunch, losing a few, it happens. So it'll be a lot easier to kind of find the right balance. Yeah, there's definitely less pressure on him, too, if they continue to, to win games and stuff when he comes back to – it's not like, oh, thank goodness you're back, Dwight King. Please solve all our problems. I mean, I don't know why it would ever be like that anyway, <laughs> but it definitely won't if they keep winning. So um, it'll give some time to sort of figure out, he, you know, where where makes – what makes sense for him and where he fits. Um, but it is – even just looking at it now, I'm like, I don't know. The Kings have a pretty – good roster (laughs) so um the real challenge is you know guys aren't producing goals but it's not like Dwight King has ever produced a crazy amount of goals either so um so yeah I don't know we shall see all right so I think we've covered all of the King's best moments and whatnot from this week so I would like to take a moment oh actually no you know what the Philly game, because we recorded right before that game, so we didn't get to talk about all of the stuff about Mike Richards, because, of course, anytime a Philly game happens, you got to talk about uh, Mike Richards and Jeff Carter and their careers, at least if you're a Philly beat reporter, that's what you think. So a lot of people on the team were asked about Mike Richards in general, and so we got some new quotes. Even guys not on the team, there was randomly in one of those pieces a quote from Justin Williams about how, like, he was like, oh, I'm a good friend with Mike, and so it's really sad, you know, to see what's happened to him, and he hit a lot and stuff. Those kinds of comments, and I thought that was really interesting. The big takeaway for me from all of those pieces, and there were two or three of them, um, is that it seems like pretty much everybody who they asked and who has worked with Mike Richards and played with him or whatever are all concerned for his well-being, (laughs) And seem to recognize that it's not about them, which is contrary to a certain person in the organization. (laughs) Um, (laughs) That is very true. They are expressing the correct, I guess, response and being like, I hope he gets the help that he needs, you know, just, you know, wishing him the best and all that as compared to a certain, you know, DL, let's call him. (laughs) Right. Yes. Um, the infamous deal. <laughs> um, so, and like Dustin Brown had quotes where he was, I think it's fascinating the way everybody is like, we didn't see the signs pretty much, you know? And Dustin Brown was like, hindsight is twenty twenty. There were probably things that we probably should have paid more attention to. Um, but of course that's in the past now and it's, and it's easy to look back on a situation and be like, oh, maybe that was a warning sign. Um, but so far everybody's just like, yeah, he was kind of a homebody, kept to himself. We didn't see anything, you know, um, that alarmed us, which is fascinating, but also sad that like, and the, nobody has ever at, at, at any point, nobody has been like, this dude is fine. Right. So it seems like even though we still don't know exactly what the story is, there might be at least some truth to Dean Lombardi being like he went on some kind of downward spiral, which is really unfortunate. But um, it's interesting that nobody seems to have seen it coming either. Yeah, which also kind of it makes me sad because it's like, well, how long has this been going on without anyone to help and support him? If no one knows 
that they need to reach out and he's not reaching out and it's like well how long was he alone in this and that that really mm-hmm. bums me out yeah it's it's incredibly sad and i did at least appreciate though that you know they do all recognize that they just want him to get help and whatnot and i liked justin williams and his quote he mentioned that he still talks to mike richards um at least sometimes although it doesn't it didn't seem like they specifically talk about any problems he might have um but at least he has contact with people still because um, for the most part, he's been pretty MIA, except for the mention that he has been skating at the Kitchener Rangers facility and with them during practices and stuff. I thought those pieces were interesting. But while looking around at that flyer stuff, I did come across some past things about a D. Lombardi. Um, because he was, of course, a flyer scout for a while before he was the Kings GM. And... Um, there was a piece written on him when he, like, not long after he had gotten that job as a Flyers scout. This is from 2003, September. Yeah, this is from September 2003. The beginning of the piece. It says, Dean Lombardi hit rock bottom. He had no one to talk to, nowhere to turn, no future in sight. Quote, quite frankly, I was in a coma for four months. Recalled the formal general former general manager of the San Jose Sharks, who was hired as a scout by the Flyers last week. A young, dynamic executive, Lombardi, 45, had placed the Sharks on the map with five straight playoff appearances. His clubs had improved in the standings in each of those years. Blah, 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 blah. Some, Some quotes from him. Anyway, more from Dean Lombardi. He says, I wasn't bitter. I was just so shocked. I really struggled with it. It was more hurt, not being part of a team, like being stripped of your colors. I felt only shock. I could not function, period. And then, quote from his wife, Wanda, it was traumatic for him. She said, he was genuinely hurt. I knew I had to do something to keep him busy and get his mind off of it. Okay, I just want to stop there. This piece is fine. What I want to point out, on on the one hand, I got to apologize to Dean Lombardi a little bit because we gave him a lot of shit for like being over the top and dramatic. I didn't realize... And for this, I'm sorry, but he has been this over the top for more than a decade. <laughs> <laughs> with the, with the um, continued and consistent, I could not function. He could not function. Um, I, and, and a quote that, it, it's not someone else saying it, but he said himself, I was in a coma for four months. Okay. Essentially. I mean, I'm sorry that you felt that way, but also, what? Um, so I came across that and I felt I just had to bring it up and just like throw back to 2003 when Dean Lombardi was still as over the top as he is now. And at least he's always been that way and he's consistent, I guess. Yep. But also, please chill. Um, my favorite parts um, are the fact that to describe him, it's words like brooded. <laughs> yeah. Because um, it's Wanda taught writing <laughs> lessons as her husband brooded. Um, Lombardi was anguished knowing he wouldn't be here. It's all very, obviously this is, you know, more the author than anything else, but the fact that, that those adjectives were needed, um, makes me giggle just a little bit. And it's, it's a little easier to giggle now, uh, not to, you know, diminish what he went through, but, you know, he's doing well now. He's won a couple of cups. He's doing all right with the Kings, so I'm okay to kind of poke a little bit of fun at this portion of his life but yeah those those were the words that described his kind of vibe mm-hmm. uh during then and that 
it makes me laugh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It does seem like he's an emotional person, and that's fine. I don't have a problem with anybody being emotional. And if he really did experience, like, high levels of anguish, especially during that time when he was unemployed, cool. I have some sympathy for that. But, yeah, like you said, this is sort of all in the context of, like, we've also experienced the 10-plus years after this moment in time where he sent basically a really emotional email to the LA Times to sort of throw Mike Richards under the bus Um, and also had in another interview was really over the top about Jared Stoll's misdemeanor (laughs) so um, I'm kind of just like can you chill D. Lombardi please but he's never had any chill actually it turns out never also I love that there's like a whole thing in here about how he's like not into horses (laughs) she tried to turn him into a farmer but it's not his thing (laughs) why that was just like very charming to me but all right oh man so there's that and i think unfortunately that's pretty much all i have for this week unless you have um other things that you want to mention um the whole thing with uh tom wilson kind of complaining about uh the fact that he was mentioned as being a dirty player oh yeah um that was because uh, it was mentioned in Elliot Friedman's Thirty for Thirty, and it is that's like a whole thing of its own. Like he has a lot of feelings about the fact that he thinks he might get whistles just because of his reputation. And Milan Lucic has said the same thing. Like you know, if something is even like on the line, he'll get a whistle regardless, just because of who he is. But what I took out of that is that I still love that. Hockey players are very in tune with what's being written. Um, and I think it, I noticed it again a lot today just because uh, people were mentioning the newest uh, Players' Tribune article about things like that. I, I just I find it very fascinating when players keep tabs. Like, they have a Google alert on themselves or something like that and then feel the need to comment on it later. Yeah, it was interesting. It was interesting to me for the same reason, pretty much. The fact that it had become something that was on his radar, and then he sought it out to actually read what it was about, and then, you know, wanted to talk about what he had read and his own thoughts on himself. And he was like, look, I, in junior, you know, he took a lot of pride about being a lot of pride in being someone who could play physical and check and whatnot, but not be a dirty player. And he doesn't want to be a dirty player. Um, he mentioned, or because the 30 Thoughts piece mentioned that, like, the league, you know, player safety had been meeting with different players, and most of them were actually, like, guys who were repeat offenders who had been suspended multiple times. And Tom Wilson, I don't think he has, right? So it was interesting to see his name mentioned in there. Um, but also what was interesting about that to me is the fact that because it was mentioned and because he saw it and clearly had feelings about it, he still – pretty young and you know pretty new to his careers in the NHL so it'll be interesting I think to see moving forward if he changes anything about his game um, to try to change that reputation because he doesn't he's expressed that he doesn't want to be known as a dirty player that part of it I thought was really fascinating because all those other guys establish maybe you can't really change their ways at this point but with Tom Wilson 
you it seems like there was an opportunity here that he feels like he's been called out and he's talked about it and to see I guess what happens from there if anything shifts would could be kind of fascinating there have been a few times where some of his hits have been very questionable like I just really did a, a quick look for it now and a lot of it is like no suspension like you know the day after kind of being like okay so he's yeah. not going to be suspended I think he was suspended five games um when he was a prospect oh okay um playing let me see here hold on one second yeah, so he was suspended five games back when he was an OHL player, but uh, everything else has been kind of, like, on the line. And there is an article here that straight up says, How the Capitals' Tom Wilson became the NHL's top villain. So, um, yeah, he's definitely got kind of a reputation. Yeah, for sure. And I, th- I think the interesting thing is it's kind of both for the hits, but also just, like, as a sort of pesty guy in general – because um, he's to- he said like he's takes he takes a lot of pride in the physical side of his game, but I feel like even a little differently than like Dustin Brown, who who has been known for hitting people in his career and who also sort of plays on the edge, but is not really considered a pest. I don't think um, like he's not purposefully trying to like go rile people up. He's not like. I think someone on the Kings who is totally a pest, you know, when he's sort of in the zone is like Jordan Nolan. Jordan Nolan can hit hard, but also he is trying, you know, he's sitting on the bench poking Scott Hartnell in the back to try to piss him off. And I think Tom Wilson has a little bit of that mischievous side too, which probably contributes to the like, then when the hits are kind of on the edge or some of them bad, people are like this fucking. (laughs) It does not go in his favor. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I I think it was kind of cool that he had read it and felt called out and responded to and now I kind of want to see if he walks the walk a little bit yeah that's true I think that's pretty much it from us one thing that I do want to say just a quick shout out because I think it's been awesome so far this season is the Columbus Blue Jackets have been putting up these game day posters um they're all custom for the teams. They haven't done one for the Kings yet, but I've been waiting and waiting and waiting. I can't wait to see what they eventually put out because I think they only do it for one of the matchups. Um, so I assume the next time the Kings play them, they'll put it up. But they're fascinating. If you haven't seen them, you should go check them out because they're they're all really cool. And I, I think it's really awesome when teams put the extra time, effort, money into those little creative endeavors yeah it's they're really a lot of fun like the one versus the canucks i like because it looks like they're having a breakdance competition on a log <laughs> yeah like one of the guys looks like, like uh it. dwight king as a lumberjack just a little bit and it looks yeah. like they're breakdancing <laughs> on a log it's fantastic i just that's why i'm like i can't wait to see what they do for the kings they did a predators one and it's like you know uh underground like you know long What's the word am I looking for? Fossil? Is that what I'm looking for? Yeah, fossil. I don't know. Long buried bones. (laughs) Long buried bones. (laughs) It's really cool. I think it's like when you take a a cross section of the earth and you see all of the layers and yeah. Right, yeah. (laughs) I'm glad I totally failed at explaining that, but you guys get it. And so that's why I'm like, I can't wait to see what what the what happens with the kings or whatever because i like it when fans do that kind of stuff too just to see other people's interpretation of a franchise and how they want to represent them um and so i'm cool to curious to see what the columbus blue jackets do yeah it was always 
fun, sure, that's a word that I'm going to use, to see all of, like, the Operation Regicide sort of things against the Kings, starting with when they were, yeah. you know, going through their first cup, like, run, and seeing all of that, and then just it continued because the Kings continued to do well. Uh, that was always a nice little thing. Yeah, yeah, so... If you haven't looked at those posters, check them out. They're really cool. Um, and that's, I just, because of the one that they did this earlier this week or last week that I saw, and I was like, oh, I got to remember to mention them because it's rad. Um, so I so I have. Cool. But I think that's everything from us, right? Yeah, I think that's everything. Cool. Um, so again, the Kings have one more road game. And then for after Thanksgiving, they play the Chicago Blackhawks. Hopefully they can win that game. They lost the first game against the Blackhawks. Um, the Lightning have had some injuries, so I think it's entirely possible that the Kings beat them too. And um, we can see some more wins and maybe they can claim the Pacific Divi- Division solely if Martin Jones could chill a little, just slightly. Mm-hmm. Um, but also congratulations to him on doing it. <laughs> <laughs> it always has to be said in one breath. Like, please lose your next few games, but also good job and we miss you. <laughs> yeah. I wish you nothing but the best. But follow Thanks But on Twitter, I should say, THXBUD. On Facebook, THXBUD. Email chirp at thanksbud.com. We will talk to you again in a week. And uh, enjoy your holidays. Thanksgiving's cool. Eat some good food and be good to each other. Take care of yourselves. We'll talk to you later, friends. Bye, everyone.